The COVID-19 pandemic, like previous public health emergencies, has led to questions about whether women should consider postponing pregnancy because of potential virus-related risks to themselves and to their newborns. The role of public health agencies in these discussions involves important ethical considerations. I'm Stephen Morrissey, Managing Editor of the New England Journal of Medicine, and I'm talking with Sonia Rasmussen, a professor in the Departments of Pediatrics and Epidemiology at the University of Florida College of Medicine and College of Public Health and Health Professions. Dr. Rasmussen has co-authored a perspective article about recommendations regarding delaying pregnancy during public health crises. Dr. Rasmussen, as you write in your article, you worked at the CDC during the 2009 H1N1 influenza outbreak and the Zika virus outbreak. So what kind of pressure was on the agency to issue guidelines on pregnancy-related decision-making during those outbreaks? And what did you ultimately decide to do? Yes, during that time, Dr. Jameson, my co-author, and I both received messages from people on the outside of CDC asking whether we should be considering telling women to delay their pregnancies. And as you remember, during 2009 H1N1, there was an increased risk of influenza complications in pregnant women. And during Zika, of course, there was the risk of birth defects in the infant. And in particular, where we were getting calls for recommending to delay pregnancy were in areas like Puerto Rico, where there was already Zika virus transmission because of the risk to the fetus. And we did receive actually quite a few comments and calls and actually some news articles about the issue, especially during Zika. And we decided at that time that this was really a personal decision between a woman and her partner to decide when they wanted to have a pregnancy. And we felt that giving women the information that they needed, giving them the ability to avoid pregnancy, so making sure that contraception was available if they decided they wanted to delay pregnancy, was really the right course rather than recommending delaying pregnancy from a public health agency like CDC. So why did you decide that that sort of official recommendation wasn't appropriate? What would be the ethical issues involved in government agencies recommending that people either do delay or avoid pregnancy? Well, of course, one of the big ethical issues in any kind of decision is that people have autonomy. And reproductive autonomy is truly a guiding principle in medicine and really is of particular importance because decisions about childbearing are really important. They have effects on the person's self-determination, their security, their life course, and so on. It really is something that we felt is best left to the woman and her partner. We also had concerns for the potential for discrimination. And even in what could appear to be a policy that's neutral, it could be translated differently depending on your race, on your ethnicity, your social class. Do you have the funds to raise a baby with that kind of issue if it's considering a birth defect? And we felt like giving that kind of public health recommendation could have a potential for discrimination. We also felt like there was concern for people with disabilities, that as a public health agency, you're saying avoid a pregnancy because you're going to have a baby with a disability, that that sends a harmful message about what or who is valued. And so we felt like those ethical issues made us really hold back in making recommendations. It's not that women and their partners themselves might not decide to delay their pregnancy, but we didn't feel that was a decision that should be coming from a public health agency like CDC. So in the current pandemic, what do we know about the effects of COVID-19 on 
pregnant women and on infants who might be exposed in utero? That information is continuing to accumulate. But I think we're starting to see fairly consistent data that pregnant women are at increased risk of complications related to COVID-19, similar to what we saw with flu. It appears that pregnant women are at increased risk of being admitted to an intensive care unit and an increased risk of needing to be intubated to have invasive ventilation. And a recent study from CDC just in the last couple of weeks with a large number of women in the United States that compared women who are pregnant versus women of childbearing age showed also an increased risk of death. The information of the effects on the infants are still coming in. I think there doesn't seem to be any evidence at all of an increased risk of birth effects. It does appear that sometimes the SARS-CoV-2 virus is able to cross the placenta, although that seems to be pretty rare. And it does appear that there is increased risk of preterm birth in women who become infected with SARS-CoV-2 during pregnancy, especially women who are infected later in pregnancy. There have been some studies that have suggested an increased risk of the baby needing to go to a neonatal intensive care unit, although those data are entirely consistent. So the U.S. response to COVID-19 has involved an accelerated process of vaccine research and development. So, I mean, this is a bit of a crystal ball question, but when a vaccine is widely available, do you think that it will be safe for women who are pregnant or planning to become pregnant? I think this is one of those issues that we've tackled again and again in different public health emergencies, and we really need for women to be tested during pregnancy. You can say, well, it's not safe to be tested during pregnancy, but then you're leaving women to not have any information, not having the ability to have that information collected in a standardized way as you would do in a study. And so I think it's important for women to have the ability to be in a study if they are interested in doing so. I think we need to have these things tested, just like the rest of the population. We need to have the information. Is it effective and is it safe? We need to find ways to be able to do that for pregnant women too. Right now, we don't have any information. Of course, we have limited information for everybody right now about safety of vaccines, of the COVID-19 vaccines, that those data are still coming in. We really need that information for pregnant women too. In your article, you lay out a number of criteria that you believe should be met before agencies make a recommendation to avoid pregnancy during a public health emergency. And you write that, as you see it, the risks associated with COVID-19 don't meet that bar. So what kinds of emergencies might warrant a recommendation to delay pregnancy? We thought that there were several criteria that needed to be met, that you really had to have a good understanding of the risks involved that the risk should be high and and above, well above what women commonly face. Of course, women face risks with pregnancy, both to their health and to the health of their baby all the time. Women who are diabetic, women who are older face risks, and women accept those risks. So we felt like it should be higher than that kind of risk that you're usually thinking of. The other thing we thought was really important is, can that risk be minimized? Is there a way to decrease it? So for example, in H1N1, we thought we worked really hard to make sure that women knew that if they showed signs of H1N1, they needed to see their doctor and get treated because we knew treatment made a difference. We knew in Zika that you could avoid mosquito bites and protect yourself when pregnant, protect yourself against sexual transmission. So we felt that there were ways to mitigate it. And then we felt that information needed to be readily available for people. So I think there are conditions where, for example, if you could imagine a large-scale radiation release where the radiation was remaining, and we know radiation can have severe impacts on the fetus, 
and it would be something that would be hard to mitigate. So we felt like there could be times, but we think those times are going to be rare. Finally, you say in your article that in clinical contexts, advice regarding pregnancy avoidance has tended to rely on a doctrine of non-directive counseling. So what advice would you give clinicians who may now be counseling their patients about whether to try to conceive or not, about steps they might take if they're already pregnant? Yeah, so I think the important thing is for clinicians to keep up to date with the latest information on COVID-19 and tell women how can they prevent getting COVID-19. There, We know there are good ways to prevent getting COVID-19, wearing a mask, keeping that social distance or the physical distance, washing your hands, avoiding close contact, closed in areas, places with a lot of crowds, making sure that women know that, that there are ways to prevent COVID-19 and that there are increased risks if a pregnant woman gets COVID-19 to her and possibly to her baby. And so I think the important thing is that clinicians are able to talk to women about that information and help them weigh those risks and benefits. Of course, if it's someone who's older and this might be their last chance to get pregnant, if you're older, you know that your ability to get pregnant is decreasing to be able to talk to women about that issue too. So the other thing is I think a lot of women are concerned about going into the hospital. Are they going to get COVID when they get in the hospital? Is your baby going to get COVID after the baby's born? And I think that clinicians also have the opportunity to talk to women about what their hospital is doing. Hospitals are working really hard to make sure that pregnant women and their babies don't get COVID-19 when they come in the hospital. So I think talking to women about those things, what is the hospital's policy for having a partner there with the woman, a lot of those fears that women have that maybe they've read about in the news, I think for clinicians to ease their mind about some of those issues, I think could really help women to make an informed decision. Thank you, Dr. Rasmussen. 